This is the Ops Authority Podcast, where my mission is to break down the backside of your business so you can take the right actions to grow and scale. Hey, I'm Natalie Gingrich, a small business operations expert, and I'm going to give you a front row seat to real solutions that will help you reach the vision that you have for your business, all while equipping you to put out those inevitable pesky fires and those fears that pop up. Listen in for strategies to grow your team, craft the systems and processes that you need for your business, and establish business foundations that you may have skipped over. I know you're ready to do really big things, so let's do it together. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back to the Ops Authority Podcast. You are in for a big old treat today from a lady that I really, really look up to and If you've been listening to me for quite some time, then you know how passionate I am about working and being mentored, being led, learning, development, all of that. The same things that you desire, I desire too. And Liz J. Simpson, who's going to be our guest today, is somebody that I've been watching and luckily had the opportunity to, we live in the same city, like San Antonio of all places on planet earth. How do I run into someone who is so insightful, so powerful, so kind, so wonderful, And we share the same city, but that's not the only thing that we have in common. We have a lot of shared interests, shared philosophies. From a professional perspective, we're both very passionate about helping women to leverage their gifts and putting them into the world so that you can create a space and an income and a life that really fuels you. And so we do it a little bit differently. And she's teaching me. I've been learning from her on from the sidelines for a while and how I can even adapt some of the great things that she has into my own life and to my own business. And who knows, you may just see those things happening over the next couple of years. But first of all, let me tell you who Liz J. Simpson is. She is a business owner and she helps other business owners to secure five, six, and seven-figure corporate contracts for their professional services and their expertise. And that's what we're going to be talking to you guys about today. She's known for her clients closing multiple six-figure and seven-figure corporate deals within less than 90 days of working with her. Now, all of that sounds really, really good. So I know you're going to learn a lot today. She's the founder of the consultancy called Stimulist. And her mission is to stimulate economic growth and capitalize social change by connecting women entrepreneurs to corporate supplier opportunities. Since 2020, Liz has empowered over 15,000 women around the globe to take up space and shatter gender disparities. Her team has graduated over 219 women entrepreneurs, and I bet that number is even bigger today, through their highly acclaimed 12% accelerator, which is formerly known as the big money movement. When she's not training professionals to become fluent in hashtag big money talk, you're going to find Liz with her husband and her three children aged six, 17, and 18 here in San Antonio, Texas. I know that that is the formal. You're going to get to know the real Liz J. Simpson. She also spoke at our event a couple months ago. And when we were looking through our surveys, I mean, all of our speakers were extremely powerful and connective, but I will say that Liz had just a ton of feedback from every single person who gave us their feedback. So Liz, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to chat. Yes, I'm so thrilled. I'm so honored, Natalie. Thank you for the invite. 
being at your conference was so incredible for me. I appreciate that. I've been following Natalie for years as well. So I will say some of our job descriptions and operations have been highly inspired (laughs) by you as well. So no, the love is 100% mutual and so thrilled to talk. Yeah. I think just personally, one of the things, let me give our listeners a little backstory. I was just zooming around on LinkedIn one day and I saw number one, your striking beauty. Number two, she's always pretty colorful. And then she had some stellar content. And yes, that may be the order in which I went through, but she's got some stellar content. And well, of course, as you do on LinkedIn, because it is such a powerful tool. And this is one of the tools that Liz is really, she taught us a lot about LinkedIn. Actually, we made changes based off of what you shared with us. One of her other zones of genius is in this area. But when I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, I was like, oh my goodness, San Antonio, Texas. Like, And then I just started following your content. And as the algorithm or our minds or the universe puts us, I just became (laughs) into the whole of all of your content and I've been following it ever since. And the thing, one of the things that attached me to your content so easily is that you're teaching me what I can do. You're teaching me the power of the intellectual property that I have. You know, at one point in my life, I didn't see myself as having anything special. I mean, I am who I am. And I just assumed that either people were exactly like me or they were exactly opposite of me. And so because I felt like there were so many people like me, I didn't really see myself as special. I didn't see myself as having the gifts that I have. It took it took some time, really. I would say time and trusting myself that this is what we call intellectual property and that property has power. And if I never would have recognized that, I would never have the DO certification today. So, you know, that was an internal shift that I had that was validated by people, honestly, clients I was working with. They were like, Natalie, what are you doing? Like, I'm happy to have you on my team, but you could be working with like a lot of people because all my friends need this knowledge inside of their business. And so, ta-da, there we go. After a year of kind of redacting all of that good information from my brain and putting it into some sort of a syllabus, we ended up with the DOO certification. But in addition to doing this, you know, that's that's the vision I cast for myself was to be able to sell this to operators and people who could go into other people's businesses to truly have the ripple effect of bringing women ease with leveraging their natural strengths. Like that's always going to be my fire. And in looking and reviewing and just devouring your content day after day, week after week, I started to see, oh my goodness, Natalie, like your roots in corporate they could leverage all of this crazy, amazing content that our business owners are learning from me today. And so since then, it put a bug in my ear. It really expanded what I could do with the same intellectual property. So yes, I have been working in, you know, certifying directors of operations for the last four years and anticipate doing for the next 40 years. However, there's another opportunity that's available to me that I didn't see for myself. And so I wanted to have you here today to talk to our audience, who's a lot like me. They all have intellectual power and property that they probably need to spend some time and mindset work, do some mindset work to seeing that property as power. And showing them and talking them through what the opportunities they have with taking that intellectual knowledge, gift, skill, passion, and seeing it through the lens of how it could benefit a corporate company. So that's what we're going to dive into today. And I know you're up for that, right? 
Oh, I'm so down. I'm so excited. Completely aligned. Yeah. So let's talk through how do you help people to see that they have what somebody else needs and that somebody else is, it doesn't have to be, you know, a small business owner. It can actually be somebody bigger regardless of your background. So I want to dive into both of those things. I love it. It takes a lot of time and effort to educate the market on that because candidly, Natalie, that's most people have imposter syndrome. Some people check out the moment we say corporate. Like Mm -hmm. it's just the moment we say corporate, people check out and they think, oh, that opportunity exists for someone else. And so a lot of our work as a brand is educating women so that they see that opportunity for themselves. And I'll give just a brief amount of background for why we do this. My background is in sales and I was tinkering with the idea of just needing to do something a bit more fulfilling. Like spiritually, I just was like, you know, I'm doing this for myself. I'm enjoying it, but could there be more? And so I read an American Express State of Women Owned Business Report. This is 2019. And at the time, the report said that less than 12% of women in business achieve $100,000 a year in revenue, like less than 12%. Let Instagram tell it everyone's making multiple six figures. But to see the data (laughs) that less than 12% achieve six figures, at the time, it was less than 2% of women in business achieve seven figures. Thankfully, that's doubled. It's now 4%. And then the numbers that really broke my heart being a woman of color where that Latinas average about 51000 per year and Black women average $24,000 per year. And so, I mean, excuse my language, I was pissed off when I read these stats because I'm thinking no one can survive making this type of money. I don't think we talk enough about how multiple six figures can feel like peanuts as a business owner when you have overhead, when you're looking at paying yourself and things like that. And so So many women, especially at this time, right before the great resignation, where women accounted for 100% of the job losses, so many women were looking to business ownership or entrepreneurship as a means to freedom. But if you're making Mm -hmm. those type of numbers, there is no freedom, right? That can be worse than a job, candidly. At the time, I just became obsessed about why weren't women creating revenue success in business? And what I realized is that when I looked at the market, So much of the positioning in the market was a B2C model. Package what you're doing and then sell it to an individual. And because I was a consultant behind the scenes, I was doing consulting on digital marketing and sales. I had the rare viewpoint of I saw my clients' P&Ls. I saw revenue. I saw what feast or famine revenue seasons look like. And I thought a lot of the people who are telling the market to do B2C models aren't surviving on the same model they're teaching. But yet my clients who were doing the best were names people didn't know, but they were doing well because when they would start a new year, they already had multiple seven figures and contracts from corporations. Like they weren't having to hustle because they had clients and they also weren't having to do like the rat race of a lot of content and visibility because their clients weren't the type of clients who were consuming five posts a day on Instagram. And so at the time I just felt like this is fraudulent. Like, Why is no one in the market talking about this opportunity? And the last stat, well, this probably won't be the last stat because I love stats, but there is a statistic that shows that within two years of landing her first corporate client, a woman-owned business grows by 267%. So if you're averaging like $44,000 per year, that's the difference that takes you to $100,000. If you're averaging $100,000, that takes you to $366,000 a year. And so I thought for me, coming from a B2B background, I thought, It would be so much easier or simpler. I won't say easier. It'd be so much simpler 
to package your expertise and have high value conversations with a few people in the market who actually already have a budget, a check, an identified need and offer your system to them than it is to decide that you want to be in business, build a model, become a digital expert, build funnels, do five reels a day, and hope that someone will buy your expertise for $500 and not beg for a refund because it came out of their personal pocket. Like, I just felt like, why is no one talking about this business model? So that's what we did. Launched it in 2020. And then, you know, the last few years have been a blur because we've just grown exponentially. But to answer your question, I know this is a long way to your question. When you talk about like packaging expertise and helping women identify, you just have to understand like what's happening with corporate America. So I'll share some more stats that I share with our clients to help them understand. First and foremost, like typically if you're thinking about serving an individual, you're normally trying to sell to someone who has minimal resources So if you're looking to sell to them, they're having to make a very personal decision about where those resources are coming from. Whereas corporations already spend 58 cents of every dollar with external suppliers. So the majority of their money is already going to external suppliers. The question is just, it's I'm already cutting a check, but do I know that I could cut the check to you, right? Is one of those things. In the last few years, corporations have committed so many dollars to spending. They're actually looking for women-owned businesses. Yep. We just recently had a conference and one of our contacts, Abby from Google, was one of the speakers that we had. And when I was speaking with her with Google, you know, Google has had just an accelerated track record spending with women-owned businesses. So they first set a goal to spend a billion, they spent 1.5 billion, and then they set a goal last year to spend $2.5 billion with like women-owned businesses and small businesses. They spent $2.8 billion dollars. Right, $2.8 billion is a lot of money to spend. Like if you look at yeah. net worth, someone who has a billion dollars net worth literally could not spend all the money they had in a lifetime. Like it's just so hard to spend that amount of money. So imagine just one corporation of thousands of corporations saying in one year, we're gonna spend $2.8 billion just with small businesses. And when I talked to her, her greatest challenge was trying to fight, like we, we have to spend, we're committed to spending all this money Where are the small businesses? How do we find them? So when I talk to our corporate partners, their challenge is how do we find qualified small businesses that can do the work? So they're actively looking. I think it's just us as women-owned businesses or just small business, period, understanding that the opportunity exists and understanding how to position themselves. And the last thing I'll say, and I promise I'm going to hush, is when we train people, one of the biggest things that's a part of our training is You don't have to change what you do to serve corporations. You have to change how you talk about what you do. So when clients come into our program, it is focusing on positioning. So maybe your expertise is, you know, and I'll just make something up. Maybe my operations focus is around data analytics. And so maybe I have small businesses and I'm looking at their CRM or I'm helping them do customer service surveys and I'm helping them understand how to take that data and translate that into improving customer service. If I'm talking about that from a small business perspective, potentially maybe I'm focused on like a convert kit CRM or maybe I'm focused on the Airtable form, but I speak about my positioning one way. If we're looking at corporate contracts, you don't have to change your expertise. It's just we change how we talk about it. So what are the outcomes of that data? 
Is it top line? Is it bottom line growth? Is it efficiencies? Is it helping with market saturation? Is it improving brand loyalty? Like we would have to talk about it differently. And by talking about it differently, you can make 10 to 100 times what you're making now. And then you just leverage the same expertise. So that's long, but that's those are my initial thoughts when you ask that question. Yes. I I mean, I wanted to interrupt you maybe a dozen times. So I'm being a very good host today <laughs> and zipping my mouth, but I can't help but reiterate. And I know this because we have worked with 500 women. We have certified almost 500 women. I hear the same stories over and over and over. They come to me because they want to learn more about how to improve their skills. They want methodologies, frameworks, et cetera, right? So when you come through the certification, you get all of that, which is fantastic. You become a better practitioner. At the end of the certification, we start talking about integrating all of that great knowledge, but now what are you going to do with it? Because having more knowledge is great. But what you really ultimately are coming to me for is to transform yourself, to give yourself greater opportunities. And so this is yet one more opportunity you're going to have. And here's where the snag comes in, Liz. They collect more information. Mm -hmm. They walk away with some really, really powerful, monetizable Mm -hmm. frameworks that they can put into action throughout the certification. So they're earning their return on investment back. But now they hit another roadblock right when they're at the peak of believing that they can do more, be more, earn more. They hit a roadblock. And that roadblock is, oh, I've got to be this powerful CEO that's creating all of this content. And and your little jab there about creating how many reels a day, that is legit. That is real. So you've got all the skills. You knew you had the skills. You're not accepted into our certification unless you have the skills and the history. And now we're refining those. You've refined them. Now you're at the peak of your game. You already are your next best version, but you start to doubt yourself because you're like, I never really wanted to be a business owner. I never really wanted to sell like this. And because we're so inundated with the digital space, we feel like we have to sell in this digital environment. And that means content, that means visibility, that means showing up. And so To me, the sexiest part of this conversation is just this. You don't have to do that to monetize what you're learning inside of the certification. And even if you don't come into the certification, you don't have to do business the same way your friends are doing business or the same way your mentor or the same way the internet is showing you or Instagram is teaching you, oh, if you don't do this or if you don't earn this. Liz is living proof. Liz has taught me and a lot of other women that you can use that same gift, that same up-leveled you and monetize it in a way that is much simpler. I mean, it's still gonna take work. You're still gonna have to have conversations, but you're not going to have to do it in the way that you may be thinking today is the only way through it. And the beautiful thing which she has shared and definitely has me interested is you're gonna do work. You're going to do work. You're going to have conversations. You're going to have to commit to being in those conversations for quite some time. It's different than making a $500 sell. But for me, for all of us, if you can, you know, 200 times what you're charging that B to C and take it to corporate, I think I could put up with a little bit longer of a sales cycle 
an easier sales cycle where I'm having like one-to-one conversations. I'm not having to dress up, put pretty lipstick on, dress, dance, talk, find, you know, connections to to convert kit and everything else. I don't have to have a video editor and, you know, I'm just, I'm taking it too far. But if creating content and visibility has taken the joy and made you question, hmm, I know I'm good at what I do. I know I've got the systems and the tools. I've got an expertise and you already see that for yourself, but the idea of content visibility or being the quote unquote CEO of your company just feels like something you're not interested in. I want you to walk away from this interview today knowing that you have another avenue. You have an avenue that's accessible, that's necessary. When she said that people are trying to spend money, big companies, do you see yourself today? I mean, I know when I've even got a little imposter, like I've got a little nudge here that says, you know what? Google could use Natalie Gingrich. I can promise you that. They could use the content from our certification and maybe they could use it in a completely different way. So as she was talking, I'm thinking, man, I, I know I could teach in a corporate space and that may be like, of course, there's a lot of different ways. And plus I have a background in corporate. So I know how that like learning and development, I can see myself there, but there's something else I want you guys to consider. And that's on the fulfillment piece, right? You are fulfilling as a DOO, as maybe an ops coordinator, ops, whatever your title is called, you're fulfilling on that today, but you can also fulfill inside of corporate as a contractor. So there's, I wanted to bring up those two options and I know where the resistance comes from, from our community, which is operators by default, we are kind of behind the scenes people. You don't always have to reach the pinnacle of success by being a business owner and as a service provider, you can do this in multiple different ways. So I hope you're going to walk away today with the idea, of course, Liz always brings the stats. She is so good. She is that cross of having those marketing, super, super savvy marketing skills and also operationalizing like everything. I can see her compartmentalizing. I'd love to know her Colby, but we won't go into that today. But corporate is an avenue for each and every single one of us. And so give us some ideas, Liz, in how operators could hop into or at least start considering where they fit inside of corporate, especially if they don't have a background and work experience coming from a corporation because our our audience is really diverse in where their experience lies. A lot of them come from a college education, working in small business, family business, having been a solopreneur. And then of course, there's about, I would say about half of us who have some experience in corporate, but it may not even be the same experience that they're leveraging today in building their own business. So give us some ideas of where we could fit. I love it. That's such a great question. So I will say operators have such a distinct advantage. I train and coach professional service experts across the gamut, right? So everything from cybersecurity, lawyers, just anything where you are offering expertise as a service, that's who we focus on. And one of the things, one of my frameworks, speaking (laughs) speaking of systems, one of my frameworks is prospects only care about outcomes. And it's helping women to shift their thinking or experts to shift their thinking to realize that people aren't buying you, people are buying your system, right? And it's your system that creates results. And so the distinct advantage that operators have, especially those who've been through your DOO certification is they've been exposed to systems and frameworks and that's what you're selling, right? And so when you realize that, oh, if they're investing 
in my solution, it's because they're hoping to have a system that's replicable and that system is going to get them a defined result. That's what you're selling. And the other distinct advantage of an operator is that typically the way an operator looks at a situation is what are the challenges? What are the symptoms? How do I diagnose this? How do I apply it to a system? How do I operationalize this and improve it? And regardless of what you're selling, that is the thought process everyone else has to have, right? And so some of us are operators. So we have to put ourselves in the shoes of like, you know, literally like a doctor. Sales conversation is so, if we think of consulting, which by the way, if you're selling to corporations, it's a consultative sell. And I find that a lot of operators are excited because the sales process, when they learn it from us, they realize they say, oh, that doesn't feel like selling. I'm like, well, that's what sales is, right? <laughs> sales shouldn't feel like selling. If you feel like you were someone was selling you, they did it wrong, right? You, you should yeah. feel like, oh, oh my gosh, someone just built a high value relationship with me. They cared about me. I felt like there was emotional buy-in. I felt like I was seen, heard, and understood. And then they came in and helped me solve problems. And that's how it should feel. And so as operators, you have this distinct advantage of talking to people who have problems, understanding like a doctor, like if I was going to prescribe something, what's going on? What's the status quo? Where are you trying to go? What have you tried before? Have you tried this? Would you be open to this? Okay, I have a few ideas to help you get there. Here's a system or a path to help you get there. And that's essentially what you're doing with corporations. The opportunity that operators have is that when you talk about where can they land, it's everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. So Every division, every project yep. needs operations. Yep. Marketing needs operations. Sales needs operations. Training needs sales enablement. So the beauty is, <laughs> I joke with my clients that when they work with corporations, they should be like a virus. Like they should get in and spread everywhere, right? So, <laughs> so operators literally have that opportunity because there's so much opportunity. Now that can be someone's Achilles heel too. Because when you're looking at positioning yourself, you have to decide what are you going to tell the market that you can do? And candidly, if you just keep it as broad as operations, they're not going to know what file drawer to fit you in. And so the answer is to get really clear on what problems you want to solve. I tell my clients, like, don't overthink it. It's to me, it's GTS University, Google that ish university, like anything you need to find. <laughs> is on I Google. love it. You know what I mean? And so for our clients, we have what we call a market ecosystem map because we do have clients who come from corporate and then we have clients who've never worked a day in corporate. And so a market ecosystem map is like one, naturally, what are some of the problems that I like to solve, right? And as operators, you kind of know, like what are some things that I like to dig into and support with? And so Google those problems and you'll start to see results that show up. And then you also want to look at industry. So you might say, I've worked in these industries or I have an affinity for these industries or I have no clue what to industry to start in, right? And so you can just start Googling, you know, don't know how to translate data into consumer insights and industries. Like just literally, it's so funny because before I did this, I didn't realize how much people struggle with Googling things. And I'm like, whatever the question is in your head, Google is intelligent enough for you to literally type that into Google search and they'll help you, you know? So whatever's in your head of like, I like this problem, or I like working with this software, or I like creating this system. Just start Googling and you'll start to find results. And for our clients, we tell them it's the ability to start discerning what are reputable studies. So for me, it's also knowing that large 
consulting firms or accounting firms or professional service firms, they only do research and studies on things that there's a money trail for, right? So if all of a sudden you see Deloitte or Slalom or McKinsey or someone's done a research study on that problem, that's your sign that there's money here. So you start digging in. So I would say kind of get clear on your problems, go to Google, start Googling those problems, see where reputable studies and articles are, save those. We train our clients to have like Evernote file or something, just clip, start saving those articles. And when you're looking at these articles, you're paying attention to how corporate talks about the problem. Because we are to really be a reflection, like parrots of the market. Like you don't have to, when people are like, I haven't worked in corporate America, I'm like, But Google, like we are creating more data in a year than we've created in the history of humankind. Like Mm -hmm. there's so much information at your fingertips. Just see what corporate is saying about the problem and mirror that. To me, that's the easier part. Like you can literally Google and find. The challenge I find that people have is the mindset shift. I'll give an example. It was so funny. So recently at my conference, we had Delta Airlines there and It's so great because I've been teaching this for years and I love when corporate buyers actually say the things. It's like when you're a mom and you're like, I've been saying this, but when auntie (laughs) so-and-so says it, now you listen, right? (laughs) So I've been talking about the opportunity. So it was so interesting because we had Q&A with Delta Airlines and one of our attendees was just talking about like, basically, which I wouldn't train someone to do, but she got in front of them and was like sharing her imposter syndrome and like, where does she start to build a relationship? And so the contact from Delta Airlines is like, you know, that's okay. You might want to start on the path of instead of maybe working with a specific division, maybe you build a relationship with our ERG, Employee Resource Group. So if you're not familiar with Employee Resource Groups, there's normally internal volunteer-led groups that are identified by an affinity. So maybe there's a Black woman or Black employees or LGBT. But like there's different groups within corporations, right? Mm -hmm. And so she said, well, you might want to start by solving a problem or supporting or speaking or training one of our ERGs, and then the relationship can expand from there. Then she goes, and it may not be the type of contract you want. So she's like, you know, with your ERG, you might come in the door and start to build a relationship with us. And, you know, you might only be able to get paid like $50,000 to work with this ERG. But over years, then that could build and grow into a $5 million contract. And I was so glad that they could hear her say $50,000 is like a drop in the bucket. Like that's our nothing, right? So we might be able to 50,000 might be nothing. We could get you in the door, but then we could grow you to 5 million. And so it's so great for individuals to realize like when you go to corporate, you have to really shift your thinking about the value of your solution and pricing. Not to mention like, you know, we talk about corporate experience and division leaders, there's so many individuals who could swipe a card for 5,000 without talking to anyone, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's just Mm -hmm. realizing that those opportunities exist. And to me, it's really, you just have to be so gung-ho and bought in to the problem you want to solve and just be a parent. And they will tell you, like, one thing that's different about the way that I approach serving corporate from other programs is so many times people come in looking to build an offering. And that's not really what I trained to because I'm like, you're going to take that offering to corporate and they're going to chop it up and customize it anyway. Like mm-hmm. instead of wasting a year in the lab of trying to make up a solution that they may or may not want, just have a few conversations a week. And I think people have to remember that you are talking to someone 
who has a budget to solve a problem that has to spend that money, that money is not coming out of their personal 401k, they're going to be a good steward of it because they're professional and they care about their job and they don't want you to come in and make them look bad. Mm -hmm. But it's not this personal pulling out my pocketbook decision. It's do I trust and believe that you're credible? Do you understand my problem? Can you help me solve it? And I have to spend it. I have proximity to you. I don't want to talk to 20,000 different vendors. So I'm going to spend that money with you. Like it's a lot simpler than people like to make it seem. I also think that we attach ourselves to what corporate means, right? Like you said, Delta, you said Google. I worked at a corporation that was, you know, 36,000 employees at the time of me leaving. But, you know, there's lots of different scales of how we define corporate, right? And so, you know, large business transitions into corporate business and there's a fine line. And the thing is, yes, of course, you're these these large companies with name recognition, they've got the biggest budgets. But as you're switching and up-leveling your mindset to believing that you that they need what you have, you know, start looking at large business, start looking at the next level, just start doing this incrementally because what you're really working on is having conversations. You're busting your own limitations by just staying within. I think that's the biggest thing that I will hear from our audience as we, you know, wrap up this podcast is I'm excited by it. It is something I haven't considered. And we're going to get back to that mindset piece. And I think just tactically before we wrap this up, I want you to know that you don't have to go to Google tomorrow, right? But recognize how many sizes of business are between you and Google. And why don't you stretch yourself? Because right now you're probably stretching yourself to talk to people who are lateral to you. I just said it on a recent podcast, but economically right now, the hardest person to talk to is the person making five figures in their business. They don't have money to pay you, period. So stretch yourself to talk to the seven figure. Don't even go to six figures. Stretch yourself right now to start talking to the seven. Now go to somebody who has 100 employees. Next, go to somebody who has 1,000 employees, 10,000 employees, 100. Can you see that there's a lot of stages of business? And guess what? The person who's making $50,000 and the person who has 100,000 employees all have similar problems to solve. The magnitude is different. And the amount of money that they have to solve those problems is radically different. But if you fit from the $50,000 annual revenue company to the company that's got 100,000 employees, I hope you can see the opportunity that you have with your existing skill set. It is going to come down to identifying that and having conversations. And something we talk about here all the time, Liz, is I really hung on to this because you think you're going to package up an offer and that offer is never going to change. You spend so much time, I mean, we over-process. I mean, we're operators, girl. We are like, we are perfectionist. We are never satisfied. We, I mean, we can really string out making something as perfect as possible. And we know it holds us back, right? So we have to get over that. We talk a lot here about just getting your, as Brene Brown would call it, your SFD out there, right? Like just, just get it out there because it's going to change. One of the things that I feel like I say all the time is if you're in business, expect a pivot. Because if you never pivot in business, you're done. It just doesn't work. I mean, business is an evolution of ideas. That's it. If we are not evolving, then we're out of business. So (laughs) keep that for yourself too. 
you know, I want you to know that what you've got today can be utilized by every level of business out there. The difference is you understanding the opportunity that you have in front of you and stretching yourself. You don't have to go to Google today, but do. If you're talking to a five-figure business today, start looking at a seven-figure tomorrow, like right now, right now. You are the only person holding yourself back. Your skills are there. Your knowledge is there. It's going to take you seeing yourself working with that person. And I've done this. I literally have this exact same journey. I didn't pop out of the womb ready to talk and feel like I was worthy of educating over 500 women to become directors of operation, right? This has been a slow evolution. I worked in corporate. I stepped out of corporate. I started working with small business. I took my corporate learnings that I was applying just innately to these small businesses. And I saw that there was a gap. There was a difference. And I had to, I wanted to figure out how to make these small businesses truly be able to scale. And I had experiences to fall back on, but I had to adapt them. It wasn't just there, right? I had to keep shifting and learning. I'm still learning, guys. And with the economy changing through the pandemic and through right now, you have to continuously, you have to keep changing it. You have to figure out what you need and what they need and how you fit. So as the world turns, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to be able to do this just like I have. And you never know where that's going to take you. I hope that through our conversation with Liz today that you will see that you've got this opportunity to be able to do this a little bit differently, perhaps more easily than you are thinking you have to do this today. You got a lot of options. And Liz, before we really, really wrap up, I mean, we could talk all day. This is a problem. Like we can, and talk all day long, but let our group know, let the ops insiders know where they can find a whole lot more about you. And maybe they'll be like me and just stalk you for a really long time. <laughs> Listen, well, if you are not an ops insider, let me just say that you definitely need to connect with Natalie with her director of operations certification program. I think that gives you such a solid foundation into who you are, the problems you solve and how you position yourself and build a business. And then once you have that foundation, then I think it's time for you to start thinking about what are the other ways that I can grow and serve. And if you're exploring that conversation, you can find me on LinkedIn, Liz J. Simpson. Use the J, you'll find me. (laughs) But Liz J. Simpson on LinkedIn, we can connect that way. And please let me know that you found me through the podcast. Yes. Awesome. Liz, thank you so much for being here today. And thank you for everything and all the time that you put into getting your craft out into the world, because I know it's enhanced my life. And I bet there's even a couple more notches I can take myself here (laughs) through your content. So thank you for being here today. It's been a joy. Thank you for allowing me to be on your platform. Bye everyone. Thank you for investing just a little bit of time to listen to this episode of the Ops Authority Podcast. I am so grateful to be surrounded by real action takers like you who are invested in growing their business through operations. Will you add one more action to your to-do list today? Visit theopsauthoritypodcast.com where you can join our community of business owners and other ops experts. You're going to hear from me in a week, but in the meantime, do big things on the backside of your business.